This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Watch Death Email Podcast. Thank you for listening. This episode, we have refused. Uh, they left us in 1998 to never return. Though, in 2012, they came back for a victory lap for the shape of punk to come. And so they're back making music, and a new album is here in 2015, and the world is better for it. So recently, the band stopped by in New York City. I had a chance to sit down with Dennis and David, talk to them about hardcore, their new album, Freedom, and a lot more. Hope you enjoy. Don here was a vocalist for a hardcore band. Which yeah. one? Vantage Boy. They're called Start Today. Can you grill this guy? Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my favorite story was when we were touring with Noise Conspiracy years ago, and we're, we did a tour with rival schools, and uh, we're hanging out with Walter, and Don says, yeah, man, you know, I used to be in a band called Start Today. And Walter had been smoking. Yeah, Walter had been smoking. But that, that goes without saying. saying, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Don says... Yeah, I used to be in a hardcore band called Start Today. And Walter looks at him and is like, Stackator, that's awesome. <laughs> We're like, what? Stackator. Stackator. What does that mean? Why did he say that? I don't know. I didn't misheard it, I guess. But it was yeah. just funny that he was like, Start Today was like, Stackator, that's he awesome. Likes to smoke. Yeah, he, he likes to smoke. Um... Well, thanks for doing this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the site that I do. It's called Washed Up Emo. <laughs> it it's talks about the late 90s. I'm a hardcore kid, so I kind of transitioned into post-hardcore and then got into that stuff. And it's been really fun. A lot of the fans have asked to have you guys on and um, talk about the old days. That's the best part. The olden days. <laughs> it's fun. When, when you say transition, do you mean like, was it like a social, like you started hanging out with other people that were... Or did you start going to other types of shows, or did you just the shows started intermixing? It would right. be it would be like a right. a mad ball show, and then a post hardcore band would open, and then oh. a post hardcore show would be an indie band or something where slightly right. we'll see your band open. <laughs> no, I mean it's I just interesting. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting how those things work in a bigger type. I mean, you're from here? Or? No, I'm from Vermont originally. Oh right, right, right. So I only the biggest band I ever saw was probably. Back growing up, I mean, it might have been like a New York City, like Sick of It All, or right, right. actually Civ came, and uh, it was the Civ. only time they ever had a ticketed show because it got so crazy. They're like, I guess we have to sell tickets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can relate. I mean, Vermont. we lived, uh, great, still live like really far north in Sweden. So I mean, I remember uh, back in 1991, maybe I was working at this uh, youth um, student organization, and we're booking shows, and I, I got like a. I, it's like a letter that says these bands are touring Europe and it said sick of it all and I was like fuck yeah so I call this booking agent and I'm like so we want to book sick of it all and he's like alright where, where are you guys from and I'm like from Umeå and uh, he just laughed and hung up the phone what? he's like ha it's not gonna happen <laughs> so I mean we're, I mean it took me I got into punk in 87 what was the record? 
What that, was the record that, that got me into punk? Yeah, that you were well, like, forget top forty. <laughs> I mean, I was a metal kid, so I was already like on that weird track. But I, I guess the record, that we, the first punk record that I was, was exploit the troops of tomorrow. Yeah. But then it was, uh, then it was like Misfits, Chromax, Agnostic Front. Uh, How are you finding out about them? It's just through listening. Zines was it? No, no, no. Listening to records. And like then the Anthrax Records, like thanks list. Thanks list, yeah. yeah. And they're they're t-shirts, and that's you saw the t-shirts, and then you went to the local record store. Like, someone's wearing a DRI shirt, so let's buy a DRI record. But and it was the, really yeah. also like in our hometown, there was these old punks. They were like that went that were punks like in the original. Like they were playing Stooges covers, like like all like in early yeah, yeah. 70s. Mm-hmm. They had a record. They, they store. had a record store called Garage Land Records. Who had like yeah like misfit seven inches and stuff? We yeah. went there when we were kids. I mean, I grew up at that record store, and they just like that's where I bought my first misfit records, and you know. But a lot of it was just like, you know, you lived super isolated, and mm-hmm. you could look at things list, and you're like, these guys look like a hardcore band, and it was Monkey Pop, and it was kind of a disappointment. Well, it's kind of fun that you did pick <laughs> something like the first time I got the Texas the Reason record, I thought it was gonna be a hardcore record. So yeah. You know, it's Revelation. I was yeah. like, what is this shit? And then five years yeah. later, I was like, oh, yeah. I yeah. like this. But it's <laughs> it's always older, on generally guys, uh, but older people in the in the scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually the the big the big step was that you had because that guy who was just here who came with Ben yeah. he he uh, had a scum napalm that scum yeah, yeah, yeah. hoodie I was a metal had, metal guy yeah you and had I, napalm that scum too. on vinyl <clears throat> and I I traded it with a friend of mine that was like he he's like like did you ever hear this band called Youth of Today. I'm like, no, he's like, they're violent skinners. I love violent skinners. And then he found out they were straight, so he was super bummed. So I traded He was like my, a drug pusher. Yeah, he was like, and so he I traded my, my Napalm Death scum LP for Break Down the Walls. And I was like, holy crap, I love this. So that was like early too. Yeah. But it's just like a little circumstance that happened. Um, a friend of mine, his dad bought a new car. And in the car is like a mixtape of punk stuff. And he gave it to me, he's like, oh, you know you're into punk. And it was like Dead Kennedys and DOA and Bad Banks. And I was like, I Where did that idea. tape come from? It was in the car that he bought. What? And, and, and that tape, and I listened to it. In I, Venice. In Venice, yeah. And I think it was the Let Them All Eat Jelly Beans compilation that someone taped. And, and I got that. I'm like, holy shit, what is this? And uh, a friend of mine went on vacation. in Jesus 80, entering from the Yeah, movie. in 80, 87. <laughs> and he came back and he had a tape. And it was Misfits on one side and Chromex on the other side. And I was like, this is amazing. So that's, that's how you start. I mean, but the funny thing is that there were no... I mean, there were a couple of punks, but there were punks. As, as far as hardcore went, there was no blueprint. There was no one to tell me, you need to check this out. I mean, I remember going to the worker store and, and someone said, oh, this band is crazy. It's so fast and so insane. I can't... Because the guy that ran the record store, like a hair metal guy, and it was the first Crumb Suckers record. And I was like, I need to buy this. That sounds interesting. You know, that's how you kind of discover all that stuff. Yeah. And also like that that period when you're starting, beginning to discover this stuff, when like you and just a few of your friends are into it, you sort of don't discern between different scenes. You just sort of like, yeah. you that like sounds good. Butthole yeah. Surfers and you like uh, Youth of the Day and you like, you know, whatever. And uh, being from the far north of Sweden, that period was like... It went on for a long time. Yeah. It took us very long to figure out, like, oh, these are from different scenes and from different yeah. parts of the country and different, different you know, times. Yeah. Time or, you know, so we just eras. we just consumed all of it. Yeah. Just equally. and it was that record store. Yeah, well, that part well, of that. And that then we then we started. Like, order? Was it, there was yeah. mail order. I mean, I started early. I think started. Uh, How much was stuff to get? Like, if you were ordering from Rev, would I mean, it be, would it be like cargo yeah. in the UK or no, no, it, no, literally. Uh, in 89 I started buying Maximum Rock and Roll and I just started changing dollars putting them in envelopes sending them to America <laughs> and hoping pray. that I would get some records <laughs> and you know 9 out of 10 times I did get records so that's what I did I, I ordered from Revelation I was just like here's 20 bucks send a Slipknot 7 inch yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and I got it and, it, and that was, that's, that's kind of how it worked and Dennis is 3 <laughs> years older than me and most of the guys like that scene that we sort of initiated in Umeå the band, like other bands like Abinanda and Donuts and all this mm-hmm. Dennis was three years older than almost all of us so he had this record collection already so yeah. we would just sit <laughs> in his one room apartment 
and just listen through the records. Like, yeah. Just listen to all the But it was funny because it was so isolated. And I, I was going to say that, like, I got into punk in 87 and 93 was the first, that's six years. When you're a young kid, that's a fucking eons of time. <laughs> when we got to see a band that we liked and that was Shelter that came and played wow. and I remember we played uh, like four shows with them four or five shows in yeah. Sweden we, we like managed to get on the tour somehow I don't know who we bribed we were like <laughs> we got on tour Shelter and I remember like so this is going up to Porcelain and saying like so when's Judge coming over he's like Judge we broke up three years ago I'm like fuck mm. yeah you're so disconnected yeah, cause we lived in Sweden and our, I mean we were at Maximum Rock and Roll and Thrasher that was like our I mean, connection to the funniest story is that we loved Inside Out and Rage Against the Machine the, we saw that on the Headbangers Ball I suppose I mean it wasn't even like there wasn't a video it was just no, like no, a live I, clip of them or I, something no I think I picked up the record because it was Sack from Inside Out yeah but, said, but like that's yeah. how we got connected to it and then they were coming to play in, in, in Stockholm. Stockholm. So we went down there, and it was just like this rock club, basically. But what they year? had like, huh? I mean, it's like it's 92, like, summer. It's right? like, no, it was, it was earlier. It was like, we just no, started Refused. I think it's, I mean, we started in the winter, 91, 92. Yeah. So it must have been the summer, 92. I don't know. That record came out in 92, maybe? Or yeah, 91, I mean, fall is, 91, it, maybe? It, it but, was like a month after the record came out. Yeah. It was just the region. I think. In yeah. Europe. In Europe, yeah, but it wasn't in '91. Because we we had the demo and we recorded. No, we didn't have the demo. I think it's sure? even. Yeah, I think it's before the demo. I think we just started Refuse. So I think it's the winter of '92. Oh, maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah, it was the winter of '92 because the Rage Against Machine record's been out for like a couple of weeks, and the only reason we knew about it was it was sacked from Inside Out. So we went to Stockholm. We went to there Stockholm. There was like six of us. Yeah, and they had like, like they were like, serving beers upstairs, upstairs, and then down all like, ages yeah and they played and then after the show Tom Morello was just hanging around and we didn't know who the fuck that was but he, he had a shelter t-shirt on what and we had like whatever hardcore shirts so we just went up to him he, we're like we're Sack uh, we're Sack could we talk to Sack <laughs> to Tom Morello <laughs> yeah. yeah and he's like yeah sure and he just brought us backstage and we just sat me and Dennis sat with Sack for like an hour or something after what? the show just yeah. talking and he just he sort of politicized us we were just stupid kids, and he was talking about like how the Spani Spaniards came to <laughs> South America, and you know, and, and we were just like listening for a while, and then when he took a break in like his monologue, we were just like, "So, what's Matt Bold doing these days?" <laughs> <laughs> Matt Bold, what's Matt Bold doing? That's a reasonable question. And he was like, he was like "Yeah, but like international capitalism, blah blah." And we were like, "Okay," and then as soon as he took a break, we're like. So what's Siv up to? <laughs> Siv biscuits? What's he? <laughs> but it was awesome because he was like the, the, I can't believe we spent an hour. The show know. they played it was like eighty people maybe. Yeah. Wow. And, and two months after that show, they were the biggest band in the world. It was quite awesome that we were just like, you know, we were those guys. They were just like, Sack was all like fucking pissed. Like here's a new one. We're like, play no spiritual surrender. You're the play guys. no spiritual surrender. We were those guys. That entire show. We did the same thing. We forgot. We saw Fugazi in '92. We What'd went you guys down. Yell? No, but I mean, no, we, we ran up on stage and sang along in the microphones because that's what we used to yeah. do in our hometown when yeah. we liked the song. They didn't like that, did they? I, they were they were just confused. They were just yeah. like, I have I have it on video. I yeah. filmed it. It's, and it's a lot just of like, just like, ah, we're singing. And, and like, Geese just like, <laughs> just looks around like, what the hell is going on? But we talked walk, to Ian then too, and it's like, so uh, do you skate? Yeah. You still straight? We walked into the backstage room. I was I super nervous. I'm like, that's Ian. I'm like, so you still skate? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's awesome. And we just kind of back up. <laughs> what are you supposed to say? He's the reason. I know. <laughs> but it was so awesome. That was our question. I'm like, that's Yamakai. Well, now you, you know. know. Yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, I still skate pool once in a while. I'm like, that's fantastic. And then we backed up. <laughs> I think you asked him if he was still straighted. I probably did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice one. Oh, are you still straighted? He's like, who are these people? They were good. <laughs> they were, and they were so good. They it was so such good. a good show. It was oh my God. unbelievable. And there was the same thing. It was like 40 people, maybe, at the show. And, yeah. And 20 of us, I mean, it was in, in the time of Tiny, 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 tiny place. And 20 of us came down from Mimeo. Because we forgot to play. So we, we fucking carpooled down and saw them play. 
Do you feel like that shaped what you guys... Of course. I nice. felt that way being from the small town. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that, I didn't know what Top 40 was. I didn't no. know. Yeah. I mean, the small town also, as I said, like, I started playing punk in 87 and 93 Shelter came to town. So there's a gap of six years where we just like, all right, there, there's no one's going to come here and play. So we have to start our own bands. We have to start our own scene. And we were very like, when we started with Fuse, we were very like, uh, you know, we need a scene. We need to make shit happen. And we invite our other bands to play. And it, it grew because of it's the... It's on the I, map. Yeah, it's, now it's on the map. But then it was just like, there's nothing there. So we, we had to make a scene happen. And it was very yeah. good. It was good for us. I mean, we, the whole concept of the... Because... We didn't really know about DIY. It was just we were forced to become DIY because mm-hmm. no one would set up shows. So we just we set up shows and we started booking. Yeah, where we come from, you know, it's so far from everything that everything is DIY. There, I mean, the yeah. theaters are DIY, and like if you if there's people who want to have like a literature festival, that's going to be DIY. Like everything, yeah. there's no academies up there. There's no mm-hmm. like real structures like that. So it was just natural to us. Yeah. And then, you know, having the, having that, that bass and those bands around you, like, did you feel it? Did you feel like, oh, wow, I think people are going to notice. I think we're going to start doing more. I mean, I mean the bands the were thing definitely, is, if it was... You, we, you didn't, you didn't think about the helping. rest of the world really a lot. Like, as far as Refused went, we did. Like, I mean, Refused tried to tour and reach out, you know, go places, but, but, like, the Umio scene was like a world of its own. We didn't yeah. really care about other... It was just a... It was our world. Kind of working yeah. on your craft. Too. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. for, for me, it was like just looking at Discord and we said, okay, they, they're doing a label that only released bands from DC and let's start the label called Desperate Fight Records and do the same thing and just release bands from our hometown and be supportive of that scene. I mean, and then a couple of bands from our hometown like Donuts and Abananda and Refused actually went on tour yeah. and went to tour the world and... You know, in that 90s scene, there were, you know, elements to be reckoned with. It's pretty awesome because it's such a small town. I mean, it's like a, at that point, 100,000 people live there. And, I mean, Donuts, they toured the States in 1995. It was like the first band from our hometown ever toured the States. It was fucking fantastic, you know. What were their stories when they came back? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, because we didn't know, I mean, that was the same with us. We didn't know how to tour, you know. It's like, we didn't know what that meant. We were just no. like, well, let's just get in a van and just drive around and <laughs> sleep at the floor and not eat food. It's just, well, I guess that's what touring was. And, and uh, I mean, they came back and, I mean, it's awesome that you get to tour. And they're, they're so young at that point, too. They were just like, <laughs> they were kids, you know. Yeah, was the post-hardcore scene? I mean, like, where's Fireside from? They're from Lulu. They're, it's like three hours north, but we had a lot of interchange with those bands, like Fireside and Breach, because they were like they were around when we when we started Refused. They were like a part of because they had the other bands and they were. Yeah, I mean, part of that. The scene. band that Dennis had before Refused was called Step Forward, and they were sort of the 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 spark that lit. I mean, those guys would have started bands anyway. I'm, I suppose. Like all of us would have, but Step Forward was the band that sort of went round lighting the fire. Uh, I saw them in '89, um, and was just, just I just immediately realized that this is what I need to do. And there was a skate competition up in Lulio, which is a couple hours north, which is, which is where Breach and Fireside are from. And they were like skater dudes hanging around, and Step Forward played that skate. Um, thing and and they were all just like oh my god we this is what we want to do and they started bands and they had other bands before those bands and step forward played with those bands and then refused formed and we played with those bands and then they turned into breach and fireside and this other band called randy we were like sort of brother bands playing together they would bring us to their town we would bring them to ours and then during the 90s like this whole alternative music thing just got bigger and bigger and suddenly all those bands were touring and going to America and putting out records and it was a strange thing going from just being stupid kids playing yeah. at youth centers and suddenly like in the far north which is so disconnected from yeah. everything it's like Alaska I mean it's just yeah. gone it's just and then suddenly there's like five bands from Anchorage touring <laughs> Europe you know what I mean like it's just like why would that happen <laughs> yeah. but it just happened that's a good community then yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that isolation part where yeah. when you when you ling- live a long way out, you make your own fun. It's an American author, the w- woman who wrote uh, "Brokeback Mountain." That, I forget her name. Yeah, Annie Prules, P R O U L X. She she writes great short stories. One of them, 
she says that uh, when you live a long way out, you make your own fun. That's basically what That's it what was. That's what we had to do, yeah. And we couldn't count on anyone to come and play or, or you know do it, so we had to do it ourselves. I mean, it was awesome. I remember looking back now, because it was such a weird time. I mean, when Shelter Players, like 600 kids showed up for a Shelter Show. And it was like one of those defining moments in, our, in, in the city. Like, you know, like, that where happens. are you at the Shelter Show? And, and then I saw... Someone did an archive in Umeå. There's like a Umeå hardcore archive at the museum, which is insane. In the itself. state gave them uh, the museum like, 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 like fifty thousand dollars to collect yeah. all of Umeå hardcore. What? Yeah. So there's like an archive. I'm trying to do that for the late nineties. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, a that's, great that's website. That's fantastic. I want to check you, that out. Yeah. You it's go into it's U- Umeå hardcore archive in Swedish. R A R K I V dot S E. Probably yeah. Yeah. And uh, you just look for, you write Refuse there, and you can find our second rehearsal that we ever did. Yeah. Like filmed. Filmed. Wow. Practicing. The first show we ever played. Yeah. All that stuff is It's there. all, they, they collected it. We gave them everything. We're like, let's just, you know. But there is an uh, article about, I think, the No Farnaza show, and it says, the audience didn't show up for No Farnaza. <laughs> Only 200. 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> Only. <laughs> Only, yeah. And now I'm like, whoa, we, we could do an show on you with 250 people show up. That'd be, you know, yeah. unheard You're like, drop yeah. the mic, you're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just so funny because it's such of, a different... How many li- like yeah. at that point was... Yeah, like 100,000 people. Yeah. If even, yeah. yeah. And like 200, only 250 people showed up for the No For An Answer show. Wow. Still a great show though. <laughs> yeah. Mario on drums. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mario from... Uh, Rock from Crypt and off played drums in No Farnaza on that tour. Oh fuck! Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the well, day the songs on the records got a little Rock from the Crypt vibe. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Awesome. <laughs> the, the day the day before uh, this is awesome because the day before No Farnaza played uh, in Umeå, they played in Trondheim. Warm the palaces. That's got to yes. be great. They played in Trondheim in Aus- in Norway, and uh, that only broke his edge. That night, like before they came to him, it was like the first night he drank, he, he fell in love with some crusty girl. Really? It was yeah. a girl in him? Yeah, the girl. Of course. A crust, crust, crust punk. Not crusty girl, but yeah. a, cr- a crusty <laughs> punk girl. <laughs> and uh, so he That's drank. Because we met her. We, we stayed at her house. We stayed at her house, yeah. So when they came to him, you know. This is deep. Gossip. <laughs> when he came to me, he was so angry. He was so pissed. He was just he like, broke he broke edge the night before, and he's like, "Fuck you, strategy kids!" He like super. Everyone was like, "What's going on here?" And he was so upset. And the then, thing is, also, I don't know if you remember this, but as as a like, we would make fun of like all the like strategy tropes, like all the you know the slogans and stuff. I mean, we sort of we were strategy and stuff, but we sort of also yeah. found it funny. So on the like the backstage pass for that show, we'd written X up or get out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like it. That one was not impressed. And then their car broke down, so I had to go with them through Sweden on a train. It was quite interesting. It was <laughs> I tour managed tour no manager quotes through Sweden. <laughs> hung out, right? I hung out with no pronouncer. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie. I thought they were awesome. I love that. The, both the LP and the set yeah. is so good. So raw, fast. Great drummer. Great drummer. I think, too, for you guys, the, you know, the, doing that Everlasting EP on EVR, I mean, that yeah. classic label, Victory doing uh, that record. That What are those kind of, anything pop out from those times of, fuck, we have a U.S. label, and then we're going to do this? Well, or the big, the big Victory thing. was, that was a big Yeah, production. the big thing was when we got the 108 tour. Yeah, that was like the big, big in break yeah. when we sort of realized. U.S. That, no, no, Europe, European, European tour. our first real European tour. Because we'd just been playing by ourselves, like going around Sweden, like we were sort of becoming a phenomenon just in Sweden. Uh, and then through uh, our booking agents in 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 Sweden, in Sweden, yeah. we we landed the the tour opening for One Away, and that was like that was the guy from Inside Out. And the like, other guy from Inside Out. <laughs> yeah, and we were just like, I remember just like calling everyone we knew and just meeting up and just being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> you know, that was like the big, the big thing. I, It was weird for us because we were, uh, you have to realize, when I got into like um, hardcore and, and the whole straight thing, um, the, the template was very different from Europe. 
because it's a different scene. I mean, I remember like the first uh, bands that I was in touch with about like being straight edge was uh, a band called Manlifting Banner from from Holland and a band called Seeing Red. And they're super political. So we came from like the more punk side of straight edge and hardcore. So when we start playing with Snapcase and one eight and all those bands, they weren't very political. They were just like, oh, we're straight edge, and you know, and we were just like, okay, that's a bit weird. So when when we released the record on Victor, we we didn't really feel like we we didn't felt like we fit in with like the the ideology of Victory because we were way more punky and way more political, but musically fitted pretty yeah. well. So when we toured the states, it was really confusing because it was like we're on this label and the music kind of makes sense, but then we're super political. So a lot of people that liked Snapcase and Earth Crisis and so on not impressed by us because we were so outspoken, and then the people because we I think. In our minds, the whole like ebullition and heart attack and that whole scene, that was like we we like that like, the ideas mm -hmm. and the ideology, but musically it didn't fit. So we we're like right in between, like we're coming to the states, and if you see pictures of us from '96, we look kind of like cross punks. We look yeah. insane, and we're super political, and we play this weird metal music, so it's, we don't really fit. Like I remember. Like a lot of those, like the straightish bands we play with, they were just jocks. They were just like big yeah. dudes being like, "Yeah, I'm also straightish." And then there were Christians, and we were like, "Wait!" And then the punk kids, they would come up to us and like, "How the fuck can you tour with Snapcase? Why are you on Victory Records? You're sellouts!" And we're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you're you're, you're yeah. on the same label as One Life Crew. Oh yeah, that was yeah, a big, yeah. that was a big deal at the time. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, How can yeah. you be on the same label as One Life Crew? And we're like, and we said, "Well, we're on Victory." That enables us to tour the States, and that's what we wanted to do. We were very, a bit cynical about it, I guess. We were just like, if we're on victory, we can tour the States, and we yeah. can... They were that, was yeah. that was a big yeah. label. And it time. made sense, because like, those bands at that time, I mean, especially after Everlasting, we'd evolved, you know, parallel to all those, but like, we'd gotten our ideas or been inspired by similar sources as those bands. It wasn't that we tried to sound like any of them, we just evolved parallel and just did our thing and it was sort of similar there was a connection so it just made sense to be on victory and we just thought we were you know we had a strong and original voice so that we could just put out our record on that label without that labels you know whatever identity of, identity yeah. would you know affect ours and that's what we thought but it was it was weird coming to america because here all these scenes are so disconnected. They're so like there's such strong lines drawn, and this is strange for us still, sort of, because we can't like and competition. I mean, yeah. I talked with people last night about that. Like on the new record, I mean, it's not obvious to everyone, and I mean, there's there's a song. The lyrics are quite like smart. <laughs> They're about like cutting edge neurological research and stuff, but the payoff at the end of the song is like so madball influenced you know and it's totally natural to us yeah. I mean that is a palette of you know you can hear hardcore it. and stuff and where we came from and we use that power and we use that music but that doesn't mean that you know we ascribe to any of the same ideas or whatever but coming to America it's always like strange to us that there's so strong lines drawn in these small different yeah. subgenres. yeah it's quite nice sometimes to be coming from the outside because I mean I remember just just a different thing same thing but different I remember uh, uh, the Dead Kennedys they hated like New Wave and that whole like mm -hmm. power pop but I like that because I didn't have to I didn't have to live in that time I didn't have yeah. to be a part of like oh the Knack they're selling out but with the Dead Kennedys are real I'm like I can like the Knack and Dead Kennedys for me that's not a problem we can, like, and, and we yeah. could I mean that's the thing too Two of our favorite bands, Sick of Roll and Born Against. Yeah. And they were like, both, yeah. you know, they, they hated each other. Yeah. They, like, they fucking hated <laughs> yeah. each other. We're like, we love Born Against. We also love Sick of Roll. Not a problem. Not a problem. We, we didn't have to be a part of that, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that rivalry. We didn't yeah. we, we, we care love about Born that. Against and we love Steve EVR. Yeah, they, exactly. So <laughs> Steve Wolfpack. Yeah. yeah. So Wolfpack. for us... Oh my God. There's yeah. people, there's, I worked at EVR, so that would yeah. be really funny. <laughs> you can tell I mean maybe you can tell the, Wolf, the Steve Wolfpack story maybe that's too no 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 it's too, another day another day <laughs> but I mean for us it was like uh, you know we just like music and we're very open minded about it and, and when we started playing I mean yes Umi became it had like a hardcore scene in, from 93 to 97 yeah. it was like the hardcore kids but when we start playing 
like a hardcore show was like it was refused and there was like a punk band and then a metal band and an indie rock band because that's what you had to work with there, there's not like a, you couldn't have four hardcore bands because there wasn't four hardcore bands but it worked so, yeah it worked and and it was awesome because it you know it opened our minds and we're like well good music is just good music i mean we're a hardcore band but we still hang out with these guys but then in the states because it's, it's so big it's just like just hardcore i mean and it's just like you know, the tough guy sort of hardcore this and so for us it was like that's kind of weird and when we played in sweden we toured with entomb the fireside and then we could also play shows with snapcase and sick of it all it wasn't like for us it was just all play shows with great bands it's, it's fantastic but uh, in the states it was very uh, divided so yeah. when we came in 96 we, we felt super alienated like the punks that we were like, hey, we like these punks. They're like, fuck you, sellouts. And and then the, it seems know. it seems that today <laughs> is that that's not a problem. But I think we, I sort of feel like this sounds arrogant, but we we're sort of ahead of the times in a sense that we that we really just didn't understand why you couldn't mix the ideas and mix the styles. Yeah. Just, I think it's gone back and forth. There's like yeah. package tours now where it's the same six right. bands, yeah. chug chug. There's not the indie band opening for the no, right, right, right. It's, but I think it's also dependent on, as you said, it's like it's a bit of the, the time and the place. Because as you said, where you lived, you just had to. Those were the bands. Those were the bands that lived in your hometown. They have to play, and maybe they're not all like the same thing. And I mean, I, I like that about the isolation. There wasn't like you couldn't have like a clear cut scene like that. And I mean, it, it, See, that, I think there was less noise too. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of bands, a lot of things that you could. I don't know. I felt like I could take in a record or take in a scene or a genre yeah, yeah. without I don't know the noise of a city yeah, yeah, that's influencing true. it yeah. but it was it was a great influence for us because it was just made our I mean we talked about this a lot but, but when we discovered punk for, for a lot of people punk and hardcore becomes this very small small room that they just kind of lock the door and like this is where I'm gonna be but for us it was like it opened the doors it, it fucking kicked down the walls and we're like okay anything is possible we can do anything I mean I think that as we evolve as musicians and, and, and human beings, we discover that there are no boundaries to what we can do as far as creativity goes. Well, well there, there are boundaries, and of those, course, are, but those are very interesting. The boundaries and the edge of the boundaries are fun and interesting, yeah. and you sort of want to... That's where the risks are. I mean, if you cross them, you can do something really, really embarrassing, and that's yeah. sort of exhilarating. Yeah. You want to sort of walk that line. And, but uh, I, I think just see generally in life. I mean, as far yeah. as when we talk about refused, yes, refused has... It's like an idea, and we're always trying to push it a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's, we were quite aware of uh, what Refused is, you know? So we wouldn't put out a, like an acoustic ballad record and be like, oh, it's a new Refused record, because that wouldn't be a Refused record. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think as human beings, it would just like punk made us, you know, open our minds to the world, and, and, and just, as I said, like we could pick and choose. We could like all these different bands, and it wasn't a problem, you know? Yeah. And I think that definitely shaped shape of punk to come yeah and sure. uh i remember getting the tape and listening to it and running to my friend and playing it and them him being like floored and then seeing that you were coming through town i told you last night and i saw one of the last shows of you guys oh. in 90 i saw the north carolina show and actually a couple weeks ago I interviewed shelby from frotus yes. um, and we had a long chat and about that show and um you know that was obviously such a different time and place but yeah. It was nuts because I was like, "This record's so amazing," and people were just starting to hear it. Everyone knew "Rather Be Dead" more than anything that yeah, night. Yeah, of course. Um, that was the hit. Yeah. Um, and then hearing the new song, you know, those songs, and you know, having the breakup, and then being able to have that victory lap, as I called it, mm. when you guys came back, which I was so happy. It was kind of a victory because lap. Yeah. How many? You know, I mean, how many bands have referenced it in Guitar World or those bands? I mean, that's crazy to think about. That every time I'd open up Guitar World, it would be some butt rock band, and they'd be like, "Favorite five records." It was there, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. that says something. It's not a bad thing. It's a, no, it, no, I it agree, resonated agree. And, I agree. and 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 went out further than I think you guys maybe realized. Yeah, yeah I think we had to still, walk away. We're still we're still realizing it. It's still it's still not quite like <laughs> it's not clear to us yet. Like. Like this more like we're staying at this we're in New York we're staying at this nice hotel because our tour manager Robin got us like I don't know like she, she knows, knows someone who works it she got us a deal it's the kind of place you would never ever stay no, it's just insane like in the mini bar they have like 
among like the candies and stuff like one of the boxes is like some like high-end like erotica kit with like a vibrator ring and like it's it's just it's beyond it's just insane and the door guy just stops us on the way out and he's like i just gotta say i'm such a fan uh i've listened to the shape of the come a hundred thousand times and it's just you know it's it's still it, yeah i mean it's, this, it's the same still thing strange, yeah dude. we're going to marvel and it's like the guy that's like the guy at marvel comes Ryan. out and like yeah i was at the show last night i love you guys i I set up, helped set up your show in '96 in Long Island. I'm just like, that's insane. Because they're all now working. Yeah, that's they're the all. Uh, like, they the hardcore, have, that's what I've noticed. Yeah. The hardcore kids are all working. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but we talked about that too because it's such a good learning ground. Like, set up shows and do zines and book tours, and you learn so much about the logistics of it and how to get deal with people. Yeah, deal with people and get make shit yeah. happen. Yeah, the hardcore scene is sort of like business school. Yeah, for people that. Business school for people that didn't really fit into school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's awesome. We're going to the Marvel office and the guy's just like, yeah, 96, Long Island. I'm like, that's fucking crazy, you know? But I mean, it's also like, like a sort, sort of like, you know, training ground for like the kind of like sort of cold-blooded, like, ent- entrepreneurs that we sort of not, like... The, that we don't like. That, that we don't like, but <laughs> they just like... They're in the scene, and and you're allowed to do whatever you want, and so you just and there's just, an openness to yeah. it, yeah. So you just learn to put out stuff and just, you know, figure out what the cost of manufacturing something is and what you can charge for it within a scene where there's like a social culture, like you have to sort of be someone that people respect and and like in the scene in order for your product to be appreciated and and supported, and just to learn that. Within that little, I mean, there's a lot of people from that world who've gone on to just, just be like very profitable entrepreneurs. It's it's um, it's kind of funny when you think about it because they they've been rubbing shoulders with like fucking like anarchists and nihilists and all these fucking people that were headed for either just like the barricades or or the streets. And it's, it's I mean, when you think about it, growing up as a teen in that world, like any random show in Umeå. Um, you you would find someone who's today is like like a crim like a full on criminal full on <laughs> professional criminal you know who's done a lot of time and who's hurt a lot of people and like a great academic at the university or, uh, or the, what's her friend Ida she's a ambassador in Namibia or something like that yeah 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 <laughs> it happens it's kind of funny yeah. what what felt right. Um, about that reunion part, you probably mentioned this bunch before, but understand you're talking to hardcore kids. Yeah, yeah. You know what that, you know, because I describe the record as the like a fresh glass of water every time you drink it. Like it's just clean. It's there. It's yeah. it feels ref- every time. It doesn't it doesn't grow old. It's like it's well, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, if you if you if we're gonna be really honest about it, it's kind of hard to explain. But it just. It just felt like some sort of redemption. It just felt good. It just felt right yeah. somehow, and it, and it wasn't. It wasn't some sort of executive decision. Like now, this should we really should do it's this? This anniversary, we yeah. must. Yeah, do or, it. or 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 like just like any one of us wanting it really and just forcing it because we're not really that kind of people. Like it, it was. It was very like chance thing uh, it, it could as easily have not happened but part of it was that we were all living in the same town for the first time since we broke up and part of it was that we'd started to make music together in different constellations and uh, we were being very creative uh, with our stuff and having a lot of fun um, and and part of it was just that we got this offer from Coachella and realized that if we wanted to do it we could do it for real like and having been in bands, putting out records on indie labels for years, and being the age that we are, it's very very hard to really really rehearse and get like a really good band together and make it like tight because people have kids and people have jobs and people have things, and the way that this came together, we realized that we could all take time off and become a really really good band again, like a really really good band. When you when you're a young kid, 
there's all the time in the world to practice because you have no jobs and you live with your friends and when you're older it, it is hard to get it together yeah people I mean every band I've played I'm lucky but people have jobs and people have girlfriends and can't do it all the whole time no. and yeah. now we were just like okay let's let's use this opportunity and fucking make it as, as, as good as we want it to be I we loved were. the I was the Terminal 5 show and I think Lou from Sick of It All or something yeah. Yeah. and the smiles yeah. from you guys and that was to me I was like <laughs> that was glorious. that made me like so I was like they're enjoying it yeah, yeah. it's I mean, not a chore and it was I mean it's also about, it's definitely about glory too just to grab like the everyone was waiting for it yeah just to, to walk out and just to accept you know the the uh, the appreciation and 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 anyone who's like had some great failure in their life they know that you sort of never quite get rid of it it's still there like that failure you know you did you didn't get that shit together whatever it was and we felt that when we made that record we we felt that we'd done something great and we worked very very hard i mean our sort of all of our private lives more or less it was different for all of us but they sort of collapsed mine collapsed yeah because of that for the, during the record yeah, yeah and just during that, that period and what we poured into the band we didn't have lives outside of the band and it was just this like this crescendo just like this which used just the intensity of how we did the band just increased and increased and increased and then peaked when we made that record and then it just fell flat it just yeah. and there was something like like itching in you yeah and when 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 you realize that we could give this a shot. It just felt like, like revenge. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. of... you gotta realize that when we came out with with Ship, we toured so much. So I would say, when we released songs to fan and we toured '96 and part of '97, that was when we peaked as a band. And when Ship and Punk to come came out, like a lot of the hardcore kids and a lot of the hardcore scene, especially in Sweden, well, understood. they were just like. Yeah, you're just a bunch of pretentious fucks. We don't like this. And I remember we we played the first show of our because we we're one of those. Bands we made that, it hard for people. Oh, to we like made it too. hard for people to like because we we got way more pretentious than we should have been. But I mean, the first show we played in Uppsala, we always had great shows in Uppsala. And we show up and we're like, we have this new record and we have like like ADAP backing tracks and nothing worked and there were no people there. And we're just like, what the fuck is going on? And we already had these internal struggle and we weren't really happy with what's going on and we were like let's at least go out and play these songs and no one cared like people were literally not excited and we did a European tour with um, the highest were the first band out and then the ska band called Liberator and then we played on a band called No Fun At All it's like a skate punk band and every night we could see Liberator and No Fun At All just destroy it and we'll have a thousand people just looking at us like this and it was disheartening. It was just like, what the fuck is going on? So when we came to the States in 98, we were a broken band. And we already canceled a bunch of tourists. And, and those we just shows like, were so... I mean, this. I think mine was a basement of a college. Yeah. That was a great show, but... But, was, but, but again, but it's not... But a, at that point, we'd broken up. Yes. Which was kind of like... It was so weird because we came to the States and we were so angry with each other. And I mean, I was riding in the Frodo's van because I didn't want to hang out with these guys. And it was like a really kind of... It was like a very aggressive attitude mm-hmm. everybody had. And then after three shows, we're just like, it's done. We can't do this anymore. But then we're like, so we're super broke. Now we owe the record label <laughs> shit ton of money because they, they fronted yeah, they they all the travels. So like, okay, so what are we going to do? Let's play shows. And uh, didn't, um, uh, who booked that tour? Wasn't it? Ian Mackay's sister booked it. Uh, Amanda. Mackay. Amanda Mackay booked the tour. Yes, she booked the tour. Yeah. That felt bad too. <laughs> Does she skate? Like, like she, yeah. like, like the, you know, we're like the betrayal stretched like straight into the heart of the whole thing. Like, <laughs> but we had to. So we like, okay, let's let's play these last. I think it was like five more shows, so we can get back to DC and fly home. And fly home. And that was, the, and then so the show you saw was like one of the last ones. I think we did two shows after that. Two shows, yeah. And and we were like, I think we were so relieved by the fact that it was over. So the last five shows were pretty good. The first three shows were horrible. Like it was horrible and painful, and no yeah. one had fun. And then we were just like, ah, hey, it's over. Let's just have fun and play. And just the, the whole atmosphere got much lighter because we were like, okay, we know it's five more days, and then these fuckers are on my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then. To have that experience, and I mean, I started... It's still talking. talked about in North Carolina. 
That was it was a rad show. I remember. Not that even show just because it just the it, you could have not broken up and it still would have yeah. been that. I, I remember a friend telling me I have a VHS tape, and I didn't. Know. I was like, "What are you talking about?" It's like it's some show in North Carolina. It's like, wait, I need to see this. <laughs> and then it was yeah, that yeah, show. It's, I saw it on YouTube. A couple of songs from that show was on YouTube. It's just it's, crazy that mm. that thing. You know, people send me VHS tapes to digitize. Yeah, right, so I'm starting right. like an archive of kind cool, of thing. Cool. But but that type of thing, you know, people relive that and yeah. be able to see those moments. And um, it did seem like you were enjoying it. No, that was a good show. I remember that vividly. I, I just love all the show. new song from Save a Punk. And everyone's just like, because yeah. no one's we, heard it yet. Yeah, and then we played <laughs> Rather Be Dead. And, and then I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that's why I came. But, but we had that. So, and I think for a long time, I mean, when we came home, I mean, we didn't talk for like a year almost. Wow. And and we were just like really, I started a new band like the week after I come, came home because I was like, this is what I want to do. I just want to continue. And uh, playing in bands and touring and doing, I mean, me and David kind of continue to do what we did with Refuse, but with different, different expressions bands. and different bands. But for a long time, Refuse wasn't on the table cause, because of all that. Because of like the way we broke up yeah, and the I fact mean, that their yeah. last record became sort of a failure. And it took off. Because like we were doing new bands and then people were like... Yeah, and the Refuse was all so, taken off. You know, like, Chris, Chris went and studied film. And he, his life, just, he just started like a totally different life. I mean, Dennis, you, he kept singing in bands. I like had a nervous breakdown, started drinking, smoking pot, and started singing in bands and, yeah. and playing guitar and like doing I mean like I wasn't a drummer anymore for like 10 years so like the idea of, of doing that again was just so foreign yeah. but it's 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 one of those strange things with friends and cycles that you it go cycles, through sometimes you're closer to this one guy from your old like crew and then during a certain period you're closer to some other guy and just uh, through the years it's just been these like cycles of us sort of hanging out more or less or more and then suddenly in 2011 we were all like just there you know it's strange I mean Magnus suddenly moved to Umil and hadn't played in fucking how long? like you hadn't played the bass in almost 10 years yeah wow yeah there's something about I I don't know I just I'm a believer in karma energy and (laughs) there's something about yeah that time or that band or that name something is but from somewhere some, else also something, something about Sweden like it's so small like <laughs> there's not that many places to go I think if we would have been an American band I think we probably yeah all different been, cities yeah, yeah, yeah just never there's so many alternatives to the, you know the, the routes that your life can take but in Sweden it's like you go to Stockholm you go to Malmo you go maybe to Gothenburg and then you go back to Umeå. Yeah, <laughs> so that's it. You just move. <laughs> if, if you're the type of person that moves, and then you just move. Back, yeah. yeah. It, and it's interesting because it's like, I think the type of music Refuse does, I mean, it wasn't really on the map for any of us. We just wanted to play music. But then when we got in the room together and we started playing, we're like, oh yeah, I remember where this is fun to play. Because it's like... <laughs> You know, it is it's so different from what I think we've listened to, what we would do if someone like, let's start a new band. But there's something about the energy that we have and yeah. the way we play together. It's just like, this is refused. And it's it's very hard to explain that. And, uh, you know, it's very hard to... Uh, I think it's continuing with the new record. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. That's I mean, interesting, it, actually. Because when you say that, I'm like, no, I listen to it. And then I realize, like, I listen to, like extreme music like yeah. like extreme metal and like new forms of like like drone noise stuff and like grindcore and twitch grindcore and like all kinds of and then I listen to pop music a lot and in the like alternative whatever you call it these days like but I don't actually listen to stuff that's like our stuff that has I mean they're pop songs but they're they're in a very heavy genre yeah, it's, um, and it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's but I think it's true for all of us because it's like the music that we're making with Refused is, I would only make that with Refused. I would never want to make this music with other people. It's yeah. Just, no. That's just what it is, you know. Yeah. If we would break up and I would start another band, I would never play in a band with sound like this. It's just, it, it just what, how it is. Like, And that's when they asked me, I was like, is that really what I want to do again? Because we did 2012. I was like, I'm, I'm not sure. But then they started playing me riffs and I started... Screaming, I'm like, 
Yes, this is this quite interesting. It felt right again. Yeah. But I think a lot of it, I think, for just the, the 2012 to get back together, we're such curious people. There's always this idea about how would that feel? What's that going to be like? Can we pull it off? And I think that was that was a huge reason why we started playing in 2012, and it's a huge reason why there's a new record because it's just like this curiosity, like what can you do? What can you accomplish? And it's, I mean, it's I, quite, I think you can tell. If you like us and if you see us live, I'm sure you would love to just trade places with us and be up there. I mean, because it's fucking great. It's just yeah. fucking great band to be in. Uh, it's it's quite simple, really. And then I'd love to just kind of touch on the new record. Yeah. Um, and it took me about ten listens. It's good. It just it wasn't initially the the changes, the things that just it wasn't. How long did Shape of Punk take? I would probably say the same amount yeah. because I was into listening yeah. to hardcore records that just punched it one yeah. back another. This is it's more subtle, yeah, um, and it, it's starting to like I said the um, what was it War of the Palaces yeah. like I kind of you know you hear Rocket in there. Yeah. Um, my favorite on the record is um, Dawkins Christ. Nice, it's it's a that's my vote for tonight. By the way, you need to play. It. Yeah. We're playing. <laughs> We're playing it tonight. <laughs> But um, it, it's yeah. But it, it's the same. I think it, it, it. I think any naysayer, anyone that's that's not getting this, obviously they're short sighted. But this, it's the same thing. You guys are making think a little bit. But our course was always to me a little too simple. Yeah. And to make you think a little bit deeper, that was also good. Do you feel like cause I, what I what I hope and what I think is going to happen is that the new record just is is going to put. Like both uh, Shape of Punk and Songs to Fan, sort of in a proper perspective, like because the new record has you hear things in yeah, it. Yeah, you have it has like I mean we solve problems. Song, we we solve problems in a certain way within this band. We we, we write songs. We, we sort of use a certain you know method. And, and it's it's similar to like that Dawkins has a lot more to do I think with songs yeah like the Slayer and certain songs off of that record than Shape of Pub and I love I love that song I love playing it live it's fucking ferocious yeah, <laughs> yeah. but to be able to pull from each of those and keep yeah. creating I think it's a beautiful thing and yeah. for you guys to be back doing this I mean. It's it's like you guys are enjoying it. You can tell. Yeah, and it's not I mean, forced. I, I, I mean, I, I, like the act at the drive. Yeah, I mean, stuff we're, we're that was forced. That was we felt forced. they were not into it to know that you guys were like, that's fantastic. But yeah. we're not. We don't. We're not people who look backwards. It's so funny for us with all this stuff, like the, the nostalgia, nostalgia thing. Because yeah. like, I can assure you, like, not once in like three years of being in the rehearsal space writing this record did we discuss any of the older stuff like not once wow. did anyone just for fun start playing like can you remember like someone playing like a one of the older riffs like we were just a new band we were forward, yeah. making a new record we never ever thought about shape of punk not once i mean i i think it's it's there because it does cast a long shadow and i think it was there in the sense that we well, I, we never thought about no it. we like, never talked no, about it but no. i i mean we all we but we also well, now about, it's there because we're out yeah yeah but it I think when we are writing because you know that we're writing a refused record and I mean that that in itself and you're competing against that yeah which, which is which is but. well we are in a sense because we're like you know whenever we've done other stuff and people are like this sounds nothing like refused I'm like no but it's it's a different band now it's like now it is actually a valid you know like, yeah. Comparison, like how does I mean, this, we got that question know. when we did Songs to Fan, and we got it when we made Shape. Like, like you don't sound like Refused anymore. It's like, yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, it's the the only strange thing about it is the gap in years. Yeah, it's a long gap. But yeah. I think what we were doing then was something very sincere and truthful. So it wasn't something that just happened to happen, and it wasn't something that was contrived or forced and it's the same now it's just very very truthful it's just what interests us what is exciting what what should this type of music be yeah. doing in our perspective and there are other bands who do like other things but the way we think about this music this is how it should be done and it's just the same as it, as, as it was then it's not it's not a question of us 
trying to be refused. We just are refused. Yeah. Last question. So thank you for your time, guys. Yeah. Um, the what would you tell you know fans of Shape that haven't listened, or what would you, how would you tell people to perceive this new record, Freedom? Just um, play loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's mixed to be played loud. It's a very loud record. Yeah. Nick Lane, the producer, he listens like he broke like that studio we recorded he broke speakers the whole time they just, were expensive speakers yeah. like they were i mean crazy <laughs> expensive stuff and he just blew them out yeah. usually when you when you work in the studio you record and it's loud and then you come into the room and you kind of take the volume down he so you can hear everything oh it's so loud like being in the studio one day you came home and you're like i can't believe my head is about to explode because it's so loud everything yeah. was so loud but it also means that it's mixed in a way that it sounds great loud yeah. and not all records do no. certain records you reach a certain volume and it sort of gets like sort of hard to listen to but yeah. this record sounds very very good yeah. loud. I mean it, it, we, we know we know about the shape of punk to come you know <laughs> we, we know about these records and it's just like um, just the way we approach it with an open mind is like see what happens and hopefully uh, people can listen to it loud with an open mind and then give it a you know maybe ten times then <laughs> it's, it's that's it's, hard though because we live in, a, in an era where songs usually it's not like a CD it's, it's not like you, that's all you had you had your stack I know. now you have everything everything and it's like a Spotify playlist and you're like oh ne next song next song so it, it, it's a I mean we're quite a demanding band in that sense I mean we people need to fucking sit down and listen to it and be like what it, what's happening here mm -hmm. and, which I think is interesting because uh, it's very untimely typical to be like, like let's put so much into the music that people have to make an effort to get into it most people do the opposite as little as possible into it so people you can immediately yeah, we, we took a lot of the two minute thing yeah, yeah, we yeah, made yeah. a lot of decisions for, for what was best for the album and yeah. like took songs out that you know were great songs but to make a great, great album, yeah. you know, we had to, you know, arrange it in this way, and you know, we, we yeah. thought a lot about A and the, B the sequencing, and, and yeah, 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 it's 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 so hopefully it's, people listen to it and listen. I mean, we're to four it year old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, please, please continue, make yeah. more records, Thanks. keep touring, do not stop. There's a people will be there, especially yeah. the hardcore kids. <laughs> the hardcore kids. <laughs> and then kids. and then we'll get old. And, yeah, yeah, we'll still be hardcore kids. I call it babysitter it. core. Because when like Quicksand came through, there were so many uh, people that put tickets up on Craigslist, yeah. and it's like, sorry, wife told me I could come over, babysit, <laughs> babysitter corner. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, thank you guys. Thank Thanks. You.